two, three, four. In this podcast, you will be here. Knights of Vader, Knights of Vader. Includes, but is not limited to talk of Star Wars, not Reagans. We can't truly prepare for the junk that follows this song, but hey, we give it a try. So here's the Knights of they are divided For equal, sequel, hate, and love they fight it I know that we are just musicians hired And their time is up So here's the Knights of Vader Impressive Most impressive a big thank you to N Inspiriority Complex for providing our theme song. It is June 5th, 2022. My name is Zach Weber, and I am joined by the Porteous with the Mortius, Chris. Hey, happy to be here. Zach, I don't know what's going on, but you sound better than ever. <laughs> Trick of the light. And we have professional podcast host Zenger. Yeah, yeah. And we have just Vanilla Joe Yazo. Happy to be here. And after months of being absent on the podcast, we have Russ. What have I become? No, I'm still the same. Hello. Thanks for having me. Alrighty, folks. We are here after months of just a hiatus with the occasional episode thrown in for good measure. We have some actual meat on the bones to talk about when it comes to Star Wars. Or I can only imagine now what Chris is internally thinking. On Wait top of that, I imagine we're going to sit there, just kind of spin around a bunch of topics because it wouldn't be a typical Star Wars uh, new shotgun approach if it weren't for the fact that we got more information in the span of a weekend than we've had the last year and a half combined. So uh, even though this will be focused on Kenobi, it, I would imagine other topics will definitely trickle in. Um, I know we are holding Joe Yazo back. He is so excited by the uh, the Bad Batch Season 2 costume changes. Um, his Omega, Omega cosplay got thrown a loop, but he is ready. He is prepared. She has a helmet this season. He cannot wait to uh, start 3D printing that. Isn't that right, Joe Yazo? That is right. That is right. I can't wait. I'm going to be getting the uh, files soon. Helmet. Alrighty, folks. So I kind of I don't know where to begin with this Kenobi thing because I would imagine I'm going to save the most cynical perspective for last, um, aka Chris. Oh, um, so who who wants to go first, Zenger or Russ? Oh no, no, I, I I totally forgot to look up something. Russ, go first. I I I need to have the internet inform me of something before I go. I don't, I don't think yeah we can do much of a cynical line for Obi Wan. I mean I gotta say I don't know the first couple episodes you give it that benefit of the doubt at the beginning. I I don't I don't want to come off overly negative, but man I'm kind of. I don't know what to really think of Kenobi so far. It, it seems like something that would be so easy to get right, having Ewan back and having access to things like Darth Vader. And I don't know, I'm, I'm a little confounded so far. I am, I'm, I don't know where they're going with this or if I'm ever going to care about it. Oh, I'm up. <laughs> okay. Singer, do you want a moment to keep doing your no, whole no, 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 research no, no, no. while I'm, the teacher's I'm, going I'm, around the room? I am, I am 100% good on this. So... I, I want I want to have this up as comparison. So after returning to the box office for an unprecedented, no one asked for this, Morbius is still at a 17% on Rotten Tomatoes. 71% audience score, which I think is just everyone not trying to admit that it's a terrible movie. Zach, how good's the movie? Exactly, it's awful. It has 71% audience score? Mo- Mo- yes! Yes, and I think it's for the memes with over five... Five 
5,000. 5,000 people. 71%. Outrageous. Anyways, the reason I want to point that out is because the average tomato meter for um, Obi-Wan, four critics. Anyone want to take a guess? Anyone? 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 It's up there. 87%. 87%. Audience score, 60%, which means 60% of you are not appreciating this enough, if I'm doing my math right. I have given the first three episodes a indifferent, it exists. The highest form of praise for Disney era Star Wars. Joe Yazzo. I absolutely loved it. It is everything I thought it would have been, and I cannot wait for the next episode. Do I have to elaborate i i feel i i I, we can't tell it's like there's a simpsons gag where eventually it's like are you being ironic it's like i don't even know know anymore anymore. no i I feel like we're there by now that's what i wanted to point out the morbius thing because it's like is it that rating because everyone's trying to not be the unironic person who knows this is exactly what you would think if you were watching at right after episode three and they go up 10 years you have a person with basically PSS, PS, whatever, PTSD. PTSD. He's got nightmares. He's sitting there and he doesn't know what to do with himself. He's got himself almost like the Bantha, but he's got himself led with an OP or something like that um, that he rides around in. And, you know, it's, it's perfectly, it's, I liked it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching it. I didn't think anything snide about it. I think it's a hell of a lot better than the Bad Batch. I think it's way better than the Book of Boba Fett. It actually sits there and and follows things. It's actually pretty much true to the character. You have a person who's been defeated, person that's in exile, and he doesn't want to be the person he was before because he's scared. And I think that was it was an excellent way of of setting up setting it up. If they keep that tone straight through, and you see him slowly go into the Alec Guinness type Obi-Wan Kenobi through the course of the episodes, even if there is a season two, I think it's going to be, it's going to be great. I can't, I, I, I haven't found a bad thing about it with the exception of the overuse of uh, kid Leia, but that's about it. That's the only negative thing I could probably say. See, I agree with a lot of your thoughts just about, yeah, about how Kenobi is and where he is in this. It's like the way they're presenting this. It's like, I don't. I don't know why it seems so small. I was like, "This is Star Wars." It you think things could do, but it just seems so TV. It felt like it's been creeping towards that with Book of Boba Fett and stuff, but it really starting to feel like Xena, like a lot more than it should at points. Go ahead, Con Chris. All right. Uh, well, I um I really hear what uh what Russ is saying about it feel, feeling very TV, especially like I don't want to jump the gun too much, but especially, you know, there's a certain confrontation we see in in part three that that you you might have expected a little more of a action set piece out of rather than a quarry with piles of gravel. Um, it's it, it's a big step down from Mustafar, <laughs> but but uh, but. You know, I it didn't um like the book of Boba Fett offends me. Obi Wan does not offend me. <laughs> I don't, and I know that's once again uh c- sort of comparable to it exists as far as praise. But um, I think I think what they're I th- I like what they're doing in the sense that th- this I think one of the funniest the funniest thing here, which which sort of t- get tips their hand at like 
how they're treating this is that it opens up with a recap that is literally just the prequels in like two minutes, which is at least a commitment to the idea that this is like narratively relevant to the Skywalker saga and not just let us uh, purposefully waste your time with Boba Fett dancing about in the desert. So I like, I like that they're trying to say that it's important to the, to the uh, original movies. I think the execution is lacking in a couple places and it's just similar complaints that I had to the book of Boba Fett about it's, it's sort of like the, like, I don't know how to phrase it other than it's like the action direction or like the logic of the action. And I think, um, I don't have a, like the, the, like, I'm sure everybody's seen it, all three chapters by the time this comes out. So like for, if you're, if you're, it's this person doesn't exist, but stop listening now if you're that person. But when, when uh, when Obi Wan finally sort of engages Vader in in, in uh, Chapter Three, and I'm sure we haven't seen the last of that, there's a few parts where he just sort of slowly walks away from him to evade him, and they somehow become separated by like 500 meters because he ducked but walked between two piles of gravel. And this happens a couple times. <laughs> and it's just like, it's stuff like that where it's like, I don't understand if this is, if it's, it's just, you know, it's just minor things that they could work away around. You don't, it doesn't have to be a logical reason that they get separated. It just has to read on screen as a logical reason. It's kind of like the, uh, like at the end of episode one in the feed power station, how they have those, the shield walls that separate uh, Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon and Darth Maul. It doesn't make a lot of sense if you think about it, but it's a mechanical reason why the two get separated rather than just he walked away slightly. You know, it's like it's just it's simple stuff like that. That we already had those road gates earlier that episode. They could have just had those. That would have been a whole street of them. They come on yeah, all of a sudden. Maybe you know, they take kids out, too. Yeah. And and um, I guess I want to know more about I want to know more about how they're doing um, Vader's voice. I know there's a credit for like oh, some kind of software. It's, it's Ultron James Earl Jones. Like it right. should be said that's what they're doing. I just want to know I just want to know if it's like if James Earl Jones lays down a 90-year-old man track that and then it like 50%s him back to his younger self or is it all robot? You know I'm almost I mean? certain they're Revenge of the Sith Kenny Baker. Heard like based on the research I've done, video. I'm almost certain that they're they are Ultron Luke Skywalker combined with just giving him the credit. Because they because I think they have to legally give him the credit if they're using old recordings of him. They have to. He's like, I said that line in coming to America. <laughs> and now Darth Vader says it. In one of the articles I read, it was actually they they credited it as Star Wars respeacher is what they're using for Ew. this. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm just wondering, like, how, like, I'm sure they, for, I'm sure they just get him to read it, whether they use it or not, it's just for, like, I just, the, 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 like, I'm just wondering, like, for tone and inflection, does some guy in the sound department read it, and then the re-speecher, like, applies James Earl Jones to that, because, like, the, the tone and inflection has to come from somewhere, right, they're not just, like, pulling up any time James Earl Jones said something, and, like, sort of, because it would sound crazy, right? Like, so there's there's a performance coming from somewhere, and I'm just I'm, I'd love to know more about that process. 
I'd like to think well, somebody he just please read call it. on Zenger before he just like smashes the camera. I with would the think hammer. about James Earl Jones and be like, "Hey, you have to read your lines." He's like, "Out loud?" They're like, "No, not really. We have it already, <laughs> but you should read it." So just to be sure it's okay. Chris, well, objection! I don't know what three hundred meters is. I mean, what what distance? Is, what unrealistic distance is three hundred meters? I that's, mean, that's the that, distance that could be as far as I can throw this hammer. That could that, also be from where I am to where Zach is right now, or it could be three football field lanes. I don't know. It's, it's as an dist- American, I do not understand these things. It's the average distance between two Timmy Hortons in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> well played, well played, Zenger. You lost that round. I did, did. I waited too long. All right. So while I was thinking about this discussion, I was kind of expecting to be the Debbie Downer, but I'm so glad that Russ is on my side with this because as I've been watching this, overall, it's solid. As I've been describing it, it's decent enough, yet it feels incredibly TV. Like to a point where like those leak things that like Luke, those test footage that Lucas did back in what in the late 2000s, it felt like that, but worse. Um what Chris is saying, it's very weird that to think of the Vader Obi Wan reunion fight, even if this is meant to be a brief skirmish, as severely underwhelming for no other reason than just they don't know how to shoot it properly. And I think that's the problem with all of this. I think the narrative bedrock to all this is great. Having a spiritually vacuous Obi Wan is great. A grisly Vader who's just pure evil for no other reason i disagree with some of the things they've done with vader in this but all my problems from this stem from the fact that just it feels like sci-fi channel level sometimes like even watching vader on the throne and you have the hologram of reva and it's just like it's like this is this is this is crap like this is objectively bad how on earth did this get approved and that's my concern with this show is that it, unlike Book of Boba Fett, where it was just kind of spinning its wheels because, hey, we need something to tie the fans over until Mandalorian season three. This feels like they had a solid enough idea. They just clearly budgets were being cut because this was being produced during pandemic times and they weren't they didn't have the cash flow that they did in years prior. Uh, objection. So here's the reason I say it's it's adequate. Because at this point in time with Book of Boba Fett, we were still wandering in the desert with flashback memories. We hadn't gotten to all of a sudden, oh wait, this is this is a hidden pilot for season three of Mandalorian. So my thing is I I've learned my lesson now and I want to see a Star Wars series from beginning to end to be able to judge it because it could take a wild left turn. So I'm and and funny enough, I I do want to go around and ask everyone who their favorite character is in episode three, because I think I can guess everybody's. But as of right now, huh? General Grievous. uh, Part three. Sorry. (laughs) Bunch of lunatics all right i and and that's my problem with this is doing these like part i mean these like halfway through episodes and stuff like that for us my opinion will probably change throughout because it always does but at the same time i kind of want to see the full product before i give a definitive answer because i'm because we're all going to complain about that fight being lackluster 
But if that fight's leading up to a bigger fight, cool, because that better not have Zinger, been the rematch. Singer, may, may I interrupt you? Go as somebody it. who's, and this is not to tip my hand, but as somebody who's read the spoilers, um, this is on the, this is the equivalent of this skirmish. Is think Captain America: The First Avenger. Think that level of Red Skull versus Steve Rogers in the beginning of the film, or like like the end of the first act, relative to their fight at the end. Think of it that way. Mm-hmm. It's probably the best way to describe it. Okay. All right. And let me let me follow up with Zanger. What did you think of the climax of the first Avenger between Red Skeleton and Aaron Rodgers on the pl- aeroplane? I have to actually sit here and try to remember that. <laughs> Zanger's like, I watched these movies four years ago. I don't want to think about them ever again. That was that uh, came out like fifteen years ago, right? It did. It came out <sighs> back when Marvel was still kind of a weird like dark horse when it came to movies. Yeah. Okay, well, Zenger. Oh, wait, yeah, he did fight him on the plane because then he gets zapped into. He had had a radioactive ice cube. Yeah, and then we know that will become the MacGuffin, not just for that film, but for the entire 30 movies afterwards. Perfect. Um, No, I mean, it's Hugo Weaving not being Megatron, so thanks for that. In an obscure reference. But okay, but let's put it this way, Zenger. If you're expect, if we're expecting anything, anything close to prequel level, I think we're going to be severely underwhelmed. I, I, no, I think that should be stated. I, I think we're going to have something close to a mixture of pre. I think we're going to have scene thirty four. No, no, it's Is not it going to do that. It's they're they're le- you can tell already from how Vader moves in this. They are not going to do that. that yeah, he well. moves too methodically for that. He doesn't. He's not meant to be that fluid. Because even one thing I've got to give them credit for is that everybody kind of again everything but how it's shot is the problem with this show. Because even like the whole thing is that what they're doing is they're they are playing into the Empire Strikes Back Vader confrontation mold. Is that Vader is playing right now? He knows he can sit there beat this person. He's somebody that's very bored professionally. So what he's going to do is he's going to toy with them. Like think about it. He has Obi Wan cornered at one point, and he literally lights a fire and just drag literally drags him over the coals to make him suffer. And then just like this giant robot that moves at half the speed of smell comes along as best Vader just watches all this. So far in the series. Yeah, the best no one else in the whole episode, yes. No, no one else for the loader bot being your favorite character? I'm just the loader bot is awesome. No dialogue. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Bingo. You can't ru- you can't be ruined. Again, and he with a hammer. We are not paying another actor. All right. Yeah. You've got your limit. Just this robot doesn't talk. And has a wrench and almost beats a stormtrooper to death with it. I was on board for everything that that bot did, I'm just including tired of, its slow save. I'm just tired of hearing like ignorant fan speculation that there's like a human being inside that robot. It's like, could you guys like have better ideas, please? There's not it's a Quinlan human Voss being inside in that there. robot. Yeah, <laughs> living in there. Perfect. See the, Hiding the in plain sight. one thing I found with that confrontation with Vader in Episode Three is he wants him to suffer. That's why he's being slow and methodical, and he puts him through the, the coals. He wants him to suffer like he's been suffering this whole time. And that's that's one of the things that you're going to find. He wanted him. He wanted him alive. He wanted to deal with him. He wanted to torture him. He wanted to break him. And to actually find him the way he was, he was almost, you can almost see, he was almost disappointed with the way that he was. He was broken. He was already broken. And he wasn't fighting back. That was the first time in three episodes he ignited his lightsaber. He was using a blaster the first two episodes. That's that's not Obi-Wan. 
that he's broken. He's half. He's he's just Juan. He's, he's, yeah. There's no Obi to him. He's just Juan. Well, that's the thing. That, again, this is what it comes back to is that the foundation is there, which is so rare for Disney Star Wars, where they actually have they seem to have a narrative idea of what they want to do. Because, like, to, to piggyback off Joe's point, is that Obi Wan ignites his lightsaber, and it's not a triumphant moment. It's done out of fear. He's actually he gets spooked, and he ignites it, and it's just a response. It's not anything coordinated or even juxtaposed to the rebels when he faces Maul, where it's this very grandiose gesture of him doing the pose that he did during the prequels. It's very much just some, it's like a cat scaring a cat and its tail gets fluffed. It, it's, it's just a reaction. It's not anything coordinated and that's great. It's just, I wish they would have shot it better and it wasn't on a, a quarry somewhere. Yeah, that's, and I agree as far as that. It's like, I know it's like, those visual elements, yeah, if they're filming it really weird, and I already mentioned it, it feels kind of small for TV, but it's like, it's also that logic of a lot of these things, um, like uh, that laser fence, that whole part. I mean, you could just walk around it a lot. It's very easy to point that out. That wasn't a big deal. But the logic itself in that, I mean, how did Obi-Wan let the robot get him away? Like little logic, things like that. Like why, why is he trapped over there? Oh no, we can't possibly get like a few feet away. We couldn't just walk around it either. You've got all these stormtroopers. but say, go get him. No, never mind the fact that Vader put out the fire like five seconds earlier by himself. That was just weird, yeah. right? It's like, I'm, I'm, and I'm saying, and like, and it, it sounds like I'm making a big deal out of like two little decisions. Like when I mostly like the episode, but it's like, why like it's so easy to think of a way that you could have just like directed it differently like within that environment just just give me a reason put something else in between them so that it it doesn't hurt my brain that obi-wan escaped why couldn't vader just walk through the fire he could have but the the whole thing is that he wanted him he wanted him to to get away and limp away i i I like Joe defending this properly. I'm just trying to instigate someone else into saying stuff. I don't know who, but Joe is properly <laughs> defending this. So thank you, Joe. No problem. That's but, what I'm here for. But I, you know, I get, I hear what totally what, what Zach's saying about them sort of emulating the, the like best pin duel a little bit, like, like they'll get separated and then Vader will like jump out from behind a box and take a swipe at him. Like that, that's how it works. But like, you know, in best pin, Luke gets blown out a window and lands on a floor below. And that's why they get separated. It's because Vader didn't want to climb out a window. So he bought him 30 seconds of having to figure out where Luke was in this. Obi-Wan runs between two piles of gravel. It's, uh, it's just, uh, you know, it's just like find a reason why they get separated. But it begs the question though. And that think about it. Like you guys remember from a couple of years ago that all the rhetoric was around there when it came to like the Mandalorian. It's like, oh, Disney spending like north of $120 million on the Mandalorian. You ever think that like back in the day when the Mandalorian was the only Star Wars TV show, they had the money to pour into this? Think about it. The, the going rate for Star Wars films was 250 plus. And now that we're doing three to four of these a year, maybe they're trying to condition the audience to enjoy this like on the same level as star trek the next generation they want people to think not less but just condition people that we're not going to to see things at the level that we were used to which was always my underlying fear of star wars becoming a tv property okay but look at so look at a, a mandalorian season three preview in the book of boba fett look 
at the environment in which Din had a duel with the Favrilorian. Why can we at least get something like that for Obi-Wan invaders like uh, like meeting again, right? They're literally just outside at night and the lighting is the LED lightsabers that you can buy at Disneyland. That's that's the million dollar question because I even went and looked and found out who the cinematographer was for this whole thing and it's a gentleman named Chung Hoon Chung and he's no, and he's not exactly somebody that's like new. Like he was the DP for Uncharted for Last Night in Soho. So he's not exactly a nobody. Like he knows what he's doing. So this is clearly a conscious decision. This isn't somebody kind of like they just pulled off the street and said, hey, here you go. This isn't like one of J.J. Abrams' buddies and we're just making do. This feels very intentional. I Again, I don't think, again, this is Lucasfilm just kind of stumbling. Everything about this feels coordinated even other aspects as to why this is in the news i imagine we will just kind of pinball into topic wise this this feels like something lucasfilm's been sitting on for a while which we know they have because this was a movie at one point that they've they've admitted to shelving i I, this show is very perplexing but for a different reason i think we have yet to encounter in disney era star wars yeah, they picked the wrong one to try to, try to uh, TV down too much. It's like you've taken two of the most biggest aspects of Star Wars that, that will, genuinely got so much love, even during the prequel era when everybody hated so much stuff. No one really hates on Ewan McGregor and, and Obi-Wan and, and the portrayal of that. You know, that's they. it's like they had it perfectly saved up. They should have just done the movie with it. This would have been a great, again, this would have been a great like hour, two hour and 20 minute movie. Mm, I can see that. So I have to ask Chris, what what do you think of all the cameos in this? There's cameos. Not, not cameos, but name drops. Like there is an insane amount of name drops. One of them that in my research today is what? One of the main characters of the Rogue, Rogue Squadron novels? Or the X-Wing novels, I mean? I'm I missed that one, but um I enjoyed obviously like Quinlan Voss is a weird thing because like it's like if if that extra in episode one was actually meant to be a Jedi or Quinlan Voss. He wouldn't have just been sitting there having a beer while there were some other Jedi from the council in desperate need of assistance nearby, right? So, like, it's just funny how that design turned into a comic character that I think he gets mentioned by name in episode three, if I'm not mistaken. But, um, but yeah, that that was, I mean, that was kind of fun. I don't know how, what a great idea it is for them to sign their, names on the underground jedi railroad and just so they know exactly who passed through there and um it was it was it was a i feel i feel like the obi-wan remembering his brother is i think that's just a fun little nod to the original script of return of the jedi and not i don't think we're gonna get any more out of that than that i think it's just a little acknowledgement that uh way back when lucas um, it wasn't the intention in a new hope but in return of the jedi uh obi-wan tell it tells luke in the original script that owen was his brother yes but uh i, I think it's I, in the novelization that, yeah knowing that i kind of thought it was a nod to hey maybe next episode we'll get this is marvin your brother marvin kenobi uh gross back to the future or or uh, Ewan Three. McGregor's real brother who does TV with him shows up and he's like, <laughs> can, we, 
Can yeah. we real? Can we oh. real? Like quick, like piggy off, piggyback off Russ's joke of Back to the Future, where we got needles in this. Needles kidnaps Princess Leia. There we go, and uh, gets murdered by the spinning lightsaber. Did he get killed by a? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. he gets killed by guy. spinning lightsaber. Yeah, slightly off screen, but we know what happened. Slices it, dices it, Julian's people. I'm glad I didn't Ooh. recognize that guy because I think that would have like bothered me a little bit, like. You know, he's, he does a sufficient job at just being like an obnoxious goon. <laughs> but, but, you he's know, he's got a pretty that... long acting career, though. It's actually, I, I kind of wasn't surprised to see him. I mean, he was okay. you know, yeah, in suburbia I... and stuff back in the 80s. He was like a child actor, too. Yeah. Oh, cool. But, but, you know, that, but he, mentioning him, that does remind me of like, like, it's just another example of like the weird action direction. Like, Leia's capture is, I think that's part two, right? I don't, um, or uh, uh, yeah, I can't. Part one and two came out so close. I, I, I find a hard time dividing them. I guess it's part one because Obi Wan leaves Tatooine at the end. But, um, you know, these guys chasing Leia through the woods, like the one, and also like that one, uh, that one, uh, female alien who's part of the gang. Is she like the same species as Prince Shizor? Because, like, it kind of looked like it. I don't uh, know. I didn't follow yeah. up on that. Yeah, it's kind of a nod to it, if I remember correctly. Okay. From the thing I watched. Yeah, but there's one part where, like, Leia runs under, like, a branch and she just slowly walks into that branch. Like, it's just like, like, she just hits this, like, half fallen tree branch at, like, you know, uh, what's another um, Canadian reference? Five kilometers an hour. Like she, she just barely walks into it and she's like, darn. She must she must have like fallen apart then because that's near the speed of light. But, you know, it's just it's just a, from a visual kinetic uh, perspective. It's like, how did they review those dailies and be like, we got it, boys. That is the shot. You know what I mean? <laughs> Stuck, thwarted by the log. I, I think... What they had was they had their their DVD box set of of Firefly, and they went and they watched that, and they're like, "It's better than what they did on this. We're good to go." They're like people no love one. this, right? Yeah, that that yeah. chase was a little, and that was and definitely the first one. Where that's that moment in that where you're just shaking your head, like because they're doing a lot, of run up to a branch, like, "Oh, what, what do I do here?" Oh, they're like so generic, thuggy, but like like smurf cartoon kind of like thuggy or something yeah. where it's like completely ridiculous they're like power rangers like putties or something like they they just get stopped by objects like and they don't have weapons because it's a child so it would probably like trigger people if they had weapons but i mean you think they could just like employ like a drone with a net or something like something where they don't have to like literally like like put steps in to catch this kid i don't know it's the space future past i expect i expect them to employ technology Instead of just running after kids, and chase. like like the the ease with which Leia escapes people on foot in in this series generally is rather humorous. Yeah, for a character not known for her running skills, I mean Princess Leia does a lot, and I think she does embody. You know, they do a good job of writing her, kind of embodying Leia. She has that that one great speech. I I don't really have a problem with the actress. Too. I no. think she does a pretty good job. I do think it's silly when people go, "Oh my God, perfect casting!" and they show a picture of her and her poncho next to Leia in the poncho. It's like, well, you dressed her like that. I mean, yeah. you're giving her. She's only gonna have three outfits that have to look exactly like something Princess Leia wore already. It's like as soon as she put the poncho on, I'm like, guys, come on. Yeah, we get it. She's we know yeah. she's Princess Leia already. Yeah, unnecessary. I it's it is weird, like the complaints 
about some specific actors that you do hear out there like uh like you know there's you know it there's two that are getting the brunt of it i guess like i'm sure i'm sure i'm sure people are making fun of the acting and the casting i i i personally have seen none of that in practice but then again i don't look at actors instagram accounts and look at the comments section so like i'm sure that it's real i don't i don't know if i i'm sure that it's real and i'm sure that it's obnoxious and people are saying garbage i don't know how much of that how much of that being in the conversation is the result of somebody who doesn't usually look at that kind of thing going there screenshotting it and being appalled because i think the internet is just generally full of trash people saying ridiculous things all the time so i think it maybe the wrong person who had a lot of followers saw something offensive and it made a narrative out of it i don't know but in watching Wait, you're talking show, about Owen mcgregor and the the scottish slurs that have been thrown at him yeah lately, right just <laughs> precisely but you, you know what i mean though like i just like like i think there's such the internet is filled with such depravity and terrible individuals on the average basis that i'm i i don't know if i believe that it's any worse than usual i just think the wrong person saw it and was reminded about how bad the internet was because like when i'm watching the show like the the like none of the the none of the complaints i'm hearing about are registering on my radar at all i'm still caught up on the two piles of gravel that obi-wan ducks between that <laughs> like i got no problems with uh with the performances personally uh i'm i guess we are going to talk about it a little bit i the, i i seem to see a lot of stuff online and the first i had heard about any of this was them you know defending her and saying you know stop being racist to this uh actress and all this and yeah i feel like it happens all the time but you, there is some kind of different kind of coordinated effort going on with this one it's almost they're like oh no it, it seems like the attitude is like no, no no you guys did this to rose tico you're not doing it this time but i never saw any of it to begin with so to be introduced to it that it's happening by them going hey hey hey, everybody cut this out it's like well what what was it yeah well i mean like I, and uh, like i was saying like i never saw it but do i believe there's like racist idiots on instagram 100 percent. do i think if i went and looked at moses ingram's instagram i would see some of that absolutely it's just it it it's just look at like i would be afraid to look in the comment section of any public celebrities instagram photos like i'm sure it's all filled with horrifying things and and uh i it's just i don't like the only thing i don't like about this like obviously the sentiment of of uh disney putting out that preemptive tweet which it was like on the night that two first two episodes dropped they're like if you're uh, writing rude comments to moses ingram like we resist or something like that it just comes off like a little defensive it's like are so is the attitude that we're not allowed to have an opinion on the performances or like i don't know you, you sh basically you shouldn't let the trolls get to you is, is is what i'm trying to say i think the issue boils down to is that and this is something i've kind of like ever since there's no shortage of content online right now discussing this very unique marketing strategy on lucasfilm's part with this my issue is, and again, there's over five years of Knights of Vader documenting all this for the record, is that this is the same company that throw, threw Kelly Marie Tran under the record, threw uh, Naomi Aki under the bus, um, diminished Finn's 
oh God, face on the poster in international territories where African-Americans are considered lesser. Um, and it's weird now to see them do this and with really no admitting to their prior discretions, it feels very disingenuous and opportunistic. And that's why, and again, it feels like a very unique marketing strategy. Like one, one opinion piece I read on this was it feels like anti-marketing and they described it that way. And I'm like, what does anti-marketing even mean? It's a weird, like almost, oh God, like a full court press way of handling something in that you, you become so defensive, it becomes your offense in that you defend an issue to the point where any criticism automatically is negated. And so any criticism automatically becomes racist criticism. So you've diminished any sort of critical thought regarding your project, which seems like something – it's almost like it feels like something Lucasfilm would do out of desperation now based off the last just few months of them just fumbling as to the – trying to control the narrative of Star Wars. It feels like the nuclear option in a way of just trying to – Oh God, just control everything, which seems to be after celebration when it comes to just press releases and announcements. They just really want to have control over it. And this feel ever since that Vanity Fair piece that came out what a month ago feels like what it is they're trying to do. They they do not want to lose control anymore. They want to have the same control over the public's understanding of Star Wars that Marvel has now or has had now for better part of a decade. And again, it just feels like I, I don't doubt, and I think we've all said this at this point, that there's bad people on the internet. Um, but much like the uh, the title crawl of the prequels, there are heroes on both sides. Evil is everywhere. Yet, yeah, it, it feels weird to like your show debuts that's been pent up demand for years, and the first thing you do is shine a spotlight on the worst aspect of humanity as part of your marketing campaign. And the fact that you and McDonald immediately within a few hours posted what is supposed to be a very impromptu video. Never mind, he is 100% in the center of the frame, is making eye contact with the camera and does not stutter, does not have any sort of just hesitation that one does when they're making an impromptu speech. It, it again feels very opportunistic and just disingenuous relative to how we've seen Lucasfilm behave previously. And there's nothing to really lead us to believe that they've had a change of heart regarding any of this, other than it seems like it's a way for them to control the narrative in a way that they haven't been able to before. The one, the one uh, reason that for the difference in approach, if I'm being, if I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say, it's not a marketing strategy is there was like a pretty big, media cycle with like Kelly Marie Tran, like deleting her social media accounts and all that. And that would be the most recent incident in this sort of um, ballpark. So like maybe that justifies them taking a different approach, but yeah, it is a weird thing to see as sort of their first communication on the, on the show that dropped five minutes earlier. But this is also the same company where Daisy Ridley deleted her Instagram account. Like this is, this is nothing new. And if they really want to be potent about this, there's other ways to do it. And the weird thing is that like the whole Moses Ingraham thing is that she, she, she's not like, nobody was criticizing her. Like this is, this is not like, oh, they sat there, like found tweets. This all came from the actress. 
and not to say that we can't trust it. Like we obviously have to, we, there's no reason to believe that it didn't happen. But the fact is that like, it felt very, again, coordinated their response to this. It did not feel like, oh, like the show had been what? had debuted for less than 48 hours and this became their main talking point. And then immediately you had all these bloggers and just film sites have articles posted within hours of it. It just felt a little too coordinated for it to be organic. Um, And and, and again, it, it feels like what happened back when black Panther debuted in like, Oh God, this happened back in early 2018 when there was review bombing of Black Panther and, and Marvel stood up to it. It felt like the same playbook just on a four-year delay, which we all know Lucasfilm is just inherently reactive compared to other f- branches of the same yeah. company. Well, I, but but you know, it's just for me, it, it just makes me realize that I, I live on an island because what I want is a bunch of angry people on the internet to write about the fact that diving between two piles of gravel is not effect- an effective means of escape. And that's the real crime of this show. No, they're gonna stand well, Chris, that hadn't next. happened yet by the time they launched this marketing campaign. Okay, but the, the goon running into the tree branch had happened. <laughs> Look, that, that goon, uh, that's kind of racist what you just said. Hey, you want to take that back? That goon can't help. <sighs> okay, I'm back. sorry. She was a falling. You're right. I hope she was a falling. That'd be cool. We haven't seen a live action one yet. Unless that was one. So another aspect of this we haven't really touched upon is what do we think of the Inquisitors? Like, obviously, the, a, a week ago, this would have been the only thing we were talking about. What do we think about the Grand Inquisitor being Qui-Gon and everybody just being He's like, oh, dead. well, he, he has to live now. And I know they've made they've, there's been a very low-key push to say, oh, that species has two stomachs, so he'll be more than fine. He'll be fine. It's going to be the, that's what's going to happen to Reva at the end of this is she's going to get her comeuppance because like she's going to have to face him in the end and he's going to take revenge and put her back in her place. I, I don't know. See, that's the thing. I just think that like, it, 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 unless you have a space doctor run up and go, he dead. I don't believe it anymore. Does anyone else find it weird that, that he it isn't really explained at all. Like you can murder your boss and just go back to the office and everything and go talk to Darth <laughs> oh, Vader. There's, Did anyone even mention that this guy's gone? She blamed it on Obi-Wan. Because he's not gone. She because blamed it on Obi-Wan. No one's ever really all gone. Deceit. Because it's all deceit. That's that's what the that's what the Sith do. And if he comes back, they'll just bring freaking um Poe on and be like, for some reason. The Inquisitor, the Grand Inquisitor, has returned. Okay, couple couple things. So, this when, and bring this, a Hobbit on that says they look DC oh, villainy. Can I say that they do? I was yeah. gonna say they look Marvelly. I wanted to take it back. They look more like uh, like DC universe villains. I expected to hate them. I don't. Um, but but the Sith are kind of. I know they're not technically Sith, but the Sith are built <laughs> on killing their boss. That's how you progress in in the Sith. So. I don't know that that's that big of a deal. I think the idea is that if your boss is slipping enough that you can kill him, he kind of deserved it. I think that's how these guys operate. But um, but there was another there was another reveal at celebration that has me sort of thinking twice about this uh, Grand Inquisitor situation. And I don't know if you guys remember the uh, the trailer for uh, Fallen Order to uh, insert actual title here. 
Survivor. Fall in Order again. Fall Harder. Fall right. in Order 2, T-O-O. Right. So in the, so Who's in that, the fat? Okay, so is that not the Grand Inquisitor in the Fall in Order 2 trailer? Yeah. No. Yes, it is. Yes, no, it is. absolutely not. That's Terran Malakos. Is he also a Powin? I I don't know, but he has white like like gentle locks. Not him. We're talking oh. about the guy examining oh. the the baseball bat lightsaber you have sitting around somewhere in your room, Zach. He doesn't have the baseball Zach. bat lightsaber anymore. Okay, he Zach, has it like, in a so, box somewhere. Okay, Zach, you are so you don't you maybe you don't remember it, but the grand. Inquisitor. I remember now. There is okay. a there's uh, maybe He's the one unlikely. Talking. Okay, so I think it. I think. It's here's the here's the thing, right? The the Fallen Order uh, game timeline references human characters, for example, as they appear in live action media. It doesn't interpret them. So this guy looks how the Grand Inquisitor should actually look in Obi Wan in this trailer, but he he looks a lot more like um like the president of Utapau in uh, episode three the the lines down his face are much more distinct the teeth mm-hmm. are much more visible it's definitely i don't know if zach's pulling it up now but this is definitely the grand inquisitor so you know, he looks less dengar from force awakens yeah okay yeah so i'm wondering like would they would they present like because we're not talking about the rebels interpretation would they present the same character with such a visual visual disparity between Obi-Wan and this uh, Fallen Order 2 trailer, if it were actually the same person. I'm just saying, I don't think he's dead. I think he's going to make a surprise, shocking return where nobody's going to be surprised by that. Just like when Leia appeared, I had a... I, I actually had a Force Ghost voice of Zack in my head going... Hey, remember how I mentioned that this was going to be a plot thread, possibly? And I'm like, God dang it! I know it's going to happen now. I'm just, I'm just saying when when they first showed the Grand Inquisitor in Obi Wan, all anyone could talk about was how he didn't look much like Bruce Spence in Episode Three. In the Fallen Order trailer, he surely does look like Bruce Spence in Episode Three. So, is this the Grand? Is the Grand Inquisitor we're seeing in Obi Wan not the same guy? I kind of feel like that might be the case at this point. But there's other problems with it. Like in the comics, the Grand Inquisitor was introduced and is a character that's been around for a while. Hmm. Even if he comes back, no one's going to think... care, though. I mean, if you think about it, there's the, the casual fan. Like, wait, oh, yeah, that's the guy who died in the beginning. Oh, anyway. I don't think. Okay, as I rewatched the Jedi Survivor trailer, like ad nauseum trying to discern this i don't think it's the it's the it's the grand inquisitor because if you look at the guy has like the guy's like a gangster he has like an office that looks like it's on coruscant or of similar some similar biome and the grand inquisitor technically would be what nerve uh was it fortress inquisitorious i don't think i i think they're they are taking a a species that's going to be very quote unquote popular to the normies and they're inserting it here. I do not think that's the grand inquisitor. Not at all. I think the inquisitor is wrong. And, and and I also think that star killer in the tube, prove me wrong. Internet do it. You can't exactly. I thought it was Kyle Katarn, but don't (laughs) (laughs) we can only hope. 
No, I think, again, the thing about the Grand Inquisitor being impaled is that I think it's meant to be a, like, throwaway moment to the normies, but I think they know it'll be, like, something that sticks in the craw of the hardcore fans. But but you know, it's weird to see it so so close, because the, something this series, which another sort of cinematic Star Wars first that this series is doing, that I don't think we've seen in any other movies or shows, is that well, well, maybe Book of Boba Fett, but with that we don't we all know that that does, clearly doesn't count. But it's it's showing actual footage from pre- previous movies as flashbacks, like mental flashbacks, like Obi Wan's PTSD. Like he'll like he's having a nightmare. They're cutting in shots of the prequels, right? So if they're gonna do that, and they do that, and they show, I think they show twice Qui Gon Jinn being killed. So, you know, it's like if it's if it, it, <laughs> it's the exact same method of execution. So it's sort of, you know, how when Ray force healed uh, Kaibo Ken and like it, and just like immediately resolved his injury of direct lightsaber impalement and how that kind of there was like a rush of memes about like too bad Obi-Wan didn't know how to do that. <laughs> Would have <laughs> might have stopped Darth Vader from becoming a thing if Qui-Gon had survived. I think it's like if 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 that guy is the actual Grand Inquisitor from Rebels and he just he's fine, it really lessens the the impact of on screen deaths. Like I, I wait. Speaking of Star Killer, he gets impaled with a lightsaber by Vader, and is fine. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Zinger remembering something. Okay, well, I I, Grogu there because Grogu could heal that too. Yeah, I mean, I believe that they're doing it. I just like you know, like just because they were they did it and it was wrong once doesn't mean they should still keep having people horribly stabbed by lightsabers who survive easily, especially after showing Liam Neeson being killed, like in this show. I I think Darth Maul's maybe better at killing than Reva is. Uh, Just just throwing it out there. It's the Star Wars version of a lap, lap band. And instead of going in through and making sure the surgery gets done, there's just, there you go, he's going to thin them down. Well, yeah, hold, on, Shan, hold on. Right? You can give yeah. them robot stomachs? Sure. Hold on. With, yeah, exactly. Fennec Shan. That is a possibility. We had one person who got shot with a laser bolt in the midsection and got rebuilt by droid parts. But, but you know, like, the crazy thing is, and this shows, like, just how how negatively impacted I've been by, like, media in general. But, like, I'm so impressed that I'm not horribly bothered by it. Like, that's where I'm at. I'm like, wow. I, I'm pretty much enjoying it. Crazy. You talk about Obi-Wan in general? Kenobi. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, the bar has been set so low. <laughs> it's it's gonna get it's it's gotta be gonna get lower something. the only way that this could possibly get worse is we see obi-wan kenobi's brother and it's his twin and obi-wan kenobi dies and his brother takes the mantle of obi-wan and that is when i would sit there and be like you just killed my childhood joe do you know that you're almost exactly referencing the original script of the phantom menace yeah Okay, you know that you're doing Wait, that. Really? No. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. So there was, yeah. I mean, like for for those who don't know, in the original script of the Phantom Menace, 
Ob- there was a character named Obi-Wan who was not actually the canonical Alec Guinness Obi-Wan. And the idea was the fact that if we're making a prequel, it's going to lose the drama. We'll know that Obi-Wan can't die. So what happens is, is that Obi-Wan is actually the canonical Obi-Wan's master. And when he gets killed by Darth Maul, the Padawan takes on his name. So it's it was the idea was Dumb. to throw off the audience and have Obi-Wan get killed in episode one be, to defeat this idea that in prequels, you know who can't die. What if Darth Vader just kills his brother instead and thinks he killed Obi-Wan? Maybe that's only that's, I'll, that's the only acceptable retcon I'll take of that. Well, they've given they've clearly given up on the idea of caring about the fact that in prequels, you know who can't die. I like that there's female stormtroopers. I caught that too. I heard that that that, uh, that process voice. I did like one thing. This is I know this is just so out of left field for this, but there's one thing that this show um, does slightly fix that not that I ever had a problem with. It. I've always heard the gripe that like, why would Leia name her son Ben? Some old guy she knew for ten minutes on a Death Star. Why would they name their son Ben? That makes no sense. Well, I was like, well, no, they had an older adventure, and Princess Leia is very close with Ben Kenobi. We know that now. So. Kylo Ben or Bilo Ken, whatever you called him before. I, I just think I, I kind of like that 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 connection now with Leia. I, I agree, Ross. That's that's one thing that I think is cute, especially it adds some context now too. That when Luke goes to rescue her in the uh, the cell on the Death Star, she goes Ben Kenobi, and she, there's a certain like palpable sense of excitement there. That's the sort of stuff that. As much as, again, we've said Disney will destroy Star Wars by just doing too much of it, there's moments with all this now where you can, those there's deeper appreciation for those little nuances. And that's one thing you got to give credit where credit is due because there is a cute little, again, like you said, the actress that plays Leia, weirdly enough, there's been really no hardcore criticism against her. You would imagine that the child actress would be the easiest thing to dump on and Everybody seems to be rather just quiet about that. And I think she's she's fine outside the fact that just again the story choices of her being an Olympic sprinter. Well, I mean, forever, you know, her and her and Ben having a pre-existing uh, relationship helps that one line. But it kind of hurts the line of years ago. You helped my father in the Clone Wars should be like remember that time you like totally saved me from those kidnappers. But no, does she does she. Does she, she know knows. his name is Obi-Wan? He's just Ben Kenobi right now. Well, she yeah. figures it out within the intervening week before they rescue her on the Death Star then, Zach. I don't know. Well, she Wait. hears the Inquisitor sitting there yelling, Obi-Wan, and then she kind of puts two and two together. Or she just isn't paying attention and doesn't care. I don't know. She's paying attention because he's messing up calling her Leia when he's not. It's like he's not good at the, the you know, the sneaking around as she best, is already. That was one of the best it, things in the in the third e- third part was when she gave him the side eye when she called him Leia. <laughs> he was like, hmm. I, I, I like how that really really Padme listening. talk. I, I think they've been getting some good Padme mention. We never even think about her anymore at all. It was kind of good. And, Ob- and Obi-Wan's dropping great lines like, I wish I was your dad. We're like, Whoa, all right, calm down, Ben. <laughs> Whoa. Are you my daddy? Yes. No. I oh, remember. I wish. Mom. Oh, your mom. Whew. Yeah, that's the, that's the real reveal of the end of the Obi-Wan show. Actually, Obi Wan. Yeah, yes, <laughs> he is. That would be so and he up. tells Anakin too. <laughs> he's like, I've been cucking you for twenty years, Anakin, and she's alive. Speaking of which, I am very underwhelmed by Hayden Christensen's performance. I don't know. I think I think I could hear him 
in the gravel pit. Actually, actually, yeah, you they they do mix them in at you one mi- point. They mix them in because you can hear him. He's it's it's almost on the same thing. He's saying the same lines that the James Earl Jones lines are doing. So I'm thinking he's the one that's speaking the lines, and then they're re-speeching James Earl's voice onto his. That would I, be pretty. I, that'd be pretty novel. Not gonna lie. I do like how he quoted Magneto, though. You should have killed me when you had the chance. That's a that is an obscure reference to X two, I believe. Yeah, X two. I'm gonna uh, uh, present the motion that that line is too generic to be an X Men reference. <laughs> I have to say though, one of the one of the things I was like excited about in, in episode in part three is when he sat there and he got him on the hot coals and he just went like that and he held him down. And I was like, oh, man. He's like, you're going to fry. But doesn't this come again down to just the fact that it's not shot properly? Like, th- it's, it's, there's a, everything is there except for the fact that they didn't know how to shot, shoot it properly. Like, if you look at Vader and whether it be A New Hope, Empire, Jedi, even Rogue One, he's always shot for the most part in very claustrophobic environments. Probably the only exception of that being like his, like in his castle on Mustafar with Krennic. And even then, they shoot him pretty well that he's always being shot from the ground up. So he's much larger in the room than what he physically is. And in this, the camera, even when he's walking, like doing his like march down the middle of Main Street in the mining town, the camera is panned down on him as if it's being shot from a rooftop, which makes him seem very, very small. So again, I just, there's a lot of cool stuff in this show that's just being undermined by the fact that they're not shooting it as effectively, not even, oh God, like forget about cost. They're just not shooting it as effectively as they could. And that's what drives me nuts about this. Like after like episode part three came out, I was explaining it to people and it's just that like everything is there. They're just not doing it as well as they could. Like they clearly understand what they're doing. And you have those moments. Like, again, think about that. Did any of us on our Star Wars bingo card have that Vader would be walking down, like, Main Street of a sh- of Obi-Wan Kenobi? And he's literally just picking people off left and right, just innocent bystanders, for really no other reason than to just kind of, oh, God, intimidate Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's, he's not doing this to draw him out. He's just doing it because he can, which is something we've never really seen uh, Vader do before. Every time we see Vader choke somebody, he's doing it with a purpose of, of getting a rise out of somebody. It's like, I think he's aware. I think we've ever seen Vader do anything to, not counting, you know, shooting to Death Star. That doesn't count. But, like, he's always strangling either Imperial officers or or he's just killing rebels. and And, or young padawans but still they're young jedi i guess they're they're not exactly civilians in the same aspect but these are just just people on the street that's the thing i think that's what makes this so kind of it goes back to the first episode all right and you look at how the inquisitors went into the bar and how the jedi came and before the knife was able to hit the bartender the jedi stopped it and the grand inquisitor said it himself the one thing is their compassion that's how they'll they'll reveal themselves when they feel that they have to. And when she threw the knife, that was the one thing that set off the Jedi to stop the knife. And that's how they found out who that Jedi was. 
And that's what started off all that hoopla with that. But he was trying to get a rise out of Obi-Wan. He, if, if he was there, if he was himself like he was before, that's the only problem. And that's where Vader knew that this is not Obi-Wan. This is not the same Obi-Wan. Something's wrong with him. He's, and it's almost like I'm not going to take it out on someone who's already defeated. I need him to have hope again so I can take that hope away from him. And it will feel so good. It's like it, beating up half a man. You don't want to do that. That's why he was toying with him in the gravel field. Because he knew. He knew it wasn't the same Obi-Wan. He wouldn't get the same satisfaction of just striking him down. In that okay. Well, yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree with you. But I think the the whole, again, it's another sequence of a Skywalker walking down a pathway, just picking off things left and right. I, I don't think we can ignore that as a, uh, oh God, cinematic moment hallmark in Star Wars now. But I don't know. I think there's there's a difference between picking off like fleet troopers on on oh god the profundity in rogue one versus what vader's doing here in the village i think there's a difference i think there's meant to be there's a difference between think about it in rogue one the fleet troopers are between vader and his goal of the death star plans in this i think it's meant to be very grisly in a way that we've never really looked at vader before like think about it. every time we think of every single time we've seen vader before this moment whether it be choking out <laughs> Death Star personnel, different admirals. There's a point to it of intimidation. Here, there's almost a sadistic quality to it that really isn't present in the original trilogy or even in Rogue One. I think there's meant to it's be a level Kylo of sadism Ren. here that we've never encountered. It's a little oh, intro of Force Awakens almost. Like I, I got that vibe with that whole town anyway. Um, it reminds me a lot of, of, of the intro of, of Kylo Ren's introduction where he... Okay. Okay, a few things. One, Chris, I would like to apologize. I did not happen to find three different videos on YouTube that are compilations of people saying, I should have killed you when you had the chance, or you should have killed me when you had the chance, that are not Ian McKellen. So I stand corrected, but it also is a great song by the band A Day to Remember. Anyways, going back to Zach's and all of your guys' point that I came back in on and only am half informed it, but now I'm going to make wild waving accusations about. Here's my thing. How often have you guys, have, have we been shown Vader interacting with the general public? Never. I'm, I'm waiting. I mean, exactly. not, not, on, not live action ever. Exactly. Okay, but so this is how he gets the reputation of being this monster. Like, I'm pretty sure in the comics, he freaking slaps people around constantly that aren't Navy officers or admirals or whoever's in choking distance, which apparently is uh, 10 kilometers. Don't okay, know well, how just, far that be, is. But to be fair about Vader during that time period and like during the the height of the Galactic Empire is that. He he only really does this to the admirals because I know I oh God Singer what book was he, it? it had to be respect. what Lord of the Sith he has respect for stormtroopers yes like and the actually, thing about it is that the 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 officers of the Empire fear him because he sees them as a waste of space because they don't they aren't out there actually serving and they mainly get on his nerves most of the time but okay. that's I think that's the thing though so like the whole point of Vader is that like and I know there's like it's one of those things where I really it's like a Star Wars just 
oh god uh just resolution to get done i really want to start delving into like all the vader comics how many years of them because oh, there's phenomenal. a lot of him just doing his weird little thing on mustafar like think of when vader isn't being sent on a very specific mission by palpatine or just something he needs to get done he he's on mustafar just trying to bring padme back to life like there's so many stories whether it be with dr afra or with lord corvax where vader's just like trying to figure out how to bring people back to life on mustafar and sorry and i think we really don't know what like think about it vader doesn't do much in that sense he's kind of only again it's the jedi fallen order thing he's only brought out when like okay things have become like either of extreme importance or things have gone catastrophically wrong and he needs to personally get involved much like in like rebels or think about kanan and ezra defeat the grand inquisitor and it's like okay the fifth brother another character carried over from rebels is dug out because it's that notion of things have become serious. Vader now has to get involved. He can, like, he's in charge of these people, even though he, he's a reluctant supervisor. And, he, and then what? Thrawn then becomes the predominant villain in, in the idea of handling the rebellion. So think there's an entire portion of Star Wars continuity where we really don't know what Vader is doing in the what? months year before a new hope he's doing something which i imagine is being cordoned off for something some other disney era project well the the other thing is this like vader is i mean we do have a lot going on but that's the other thing is there is time where we don't know what vader is up to or they haven't specified what vader's up to the other thing the big okay here's my biggest problem with this with, with, with this and everything. The fact that Obi-Wan did not realize Anakin was still alive. Like, that that came as a shock to him. I'm like, is Vader really kept that big of a secret within the Empire? Because I'm trying to remember. I'm like, I feel like he was and wasn't kept a secret by the Empire. Okay, well, I well, think the, the point is that Vader... I'm sorry. Obi-Wan yeah. has both literally and figuratively buried himself in the sand. Like the whole lightsaber thing is that Obi-Wan wants no parts of anything outside of his menial life on Tatooine. And I think this is where, and again, I'm not by no means the first person to uh, shine some light on this, but I imagine all of us have seen the memes online juxtaposing the Obi-Wan line to Vader in this of what have you become to the Maul line and Rebels of look what you've become and then it's Look what I've risen above. I think the whole point of this show is it's going to be that turning point for Obi-Wan in that it's it's him realizing that there's more to life than just being, again, like Joe was saying, the PTSD aspect of it. This is the turning point for him realizing I am no longer Obi-Wan Kenobi, general of the Grand Army of the Republic, even though... Causer of all this problems that the galaxy has. Exactly. I think it's the idea that even though I do not have this larger than life presence in the galaxy, I can still play a part in things. I still have importance. And I, I would imagine there's talk of obviously that this is what the biggest debut Disney Plus has ever had of, of an original series. There's an, there's without a doubt going to be a season two to this. Like the, the money's there. The attention is there. And you're going to see, I wouldn't be surprised if much like, I think it was the last of the Jedi book series from the mid 2000s where Obi-Wan becomes a crucial member in the foundation of the, of the, the rebellion. I wouldn't be surprised if he becomes part of that network 
even tying it into that that safe house we get to see the amount well, of cameos in that safe house means clearly they see this as a as a very backdoor pilot unintentionally or maybe intentionally of things to come for this time period no 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 zach no no no. we have to continue with everybody starring the um the 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 rebels and everything the, the rebel alliance we got to keep throwing out the widest like just casting lines everywhere that there's so many people creating it that no one person can take credit like ahsoka technically has credit for creating it i, I like that pretty- it's it's coming back to mon mon mothma which i kind of like like it's the way they're painting andor it sounds like she's like 50 percent the like protagonist of andor which like i'm i don't know that kind of interests me kyle but that's, but, that's been, but that's been around now ever since that stupid 40 uh what was it the um oh god what 2017 from a per, uh from a certain point of view where mon mothma had like all the secrets to the rebellion and she evacuated yavin 4 it, it, it's one of those things where like yeah mon mothma it's like oh she was always there all along she wasn't a character created in 1981 yeah that's lucas though because he put her in episode three so like once he did well, no, that like i have nothing against the character and i know even in rebels they made a very big point of kind of like making ezra choose between saw guerrero and her and i know even on twitter pablo hidago has mentioned numerous times that saw guerrero was always kind of the the radical uncle that mom and dad don't talk about i again it, i i like think bruno yes <laughs> We don't talk about Saw. No, no, no. Um, But no, I I think ever since we keep getting all this rhetoric about how like The Mandalorian, Ahsoka, all these shows are going to kind of like tie into a very grandiose conclusion. Who's to say that we don't get that for for the Obi-Wan time period? Like think about it. What's his name? Cal Calrissian is played by an actor that looks just like the character. So is Starkiller. Please, oh God, Zanger! Please, please, no. He no also Hitler. contributed to the to the origins of the. Yeah, he started the rebellion, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> then there's no one His remember family crest the, began no, the origins he, of the rebellion. He, no, he started the rebellion with Jimmy Smith, lest we forget. Ah, yes, true, and Leia. In, and Leia. One hundred percent true. All of this points to Star Killer becoming canon again. Can we please talk about this real quick? Because I because Russ is a is a fellow uh, Star Wars action figure aficionado. Chris, can we please segue it. just really briefly into the fact that we've gotten all this uh, these re releases of like hard to find uh, vintage collection figures, yet we still have not gotten gotten the star uh, the Star Killer action figure re released. Is but didn't they, didn't they they announced it right? Am I am I wrong? No, no. We've gotten the re-released Ahsoka. We've gotten the Old Republic Trooper. We've gotten Shay Vizsla. I'm pretty we've sure we've pretty much they... gotten every hard to find TVC figure outside of Star Killer. I got it because they're check. bringing him back. But I got my six hundred dollar Ahsoka right here. It's all good. <laughs> um, but I I could have sworn I saw an announcement for it. Wait, six hundred dollars? I mean, <laughs> I mean, before this reissue, that's what it cost. But now oh, it's okay, back to okay. twenty. Yeah, but uh. But you know, I I could have sworn they announced a vintage collection uh, Star Killer. There's I'm the wrong. Black Series one from like 2014 but, that got released, but okay, not but, a TVC version. But you know, you know how they're um, you know how they're putting out they're reissuing Shave Isla with like a new head sculpt, and that that uh that card back's gonna say expanded universe on it, which is like uh, the fact that that slipped through the cracks somehow. Some guy in marketing who approved it just doesn't know what that is. 
It's, you Didn't know, it's they like spell the whole... Luke wrong on something <laughs> kind of recently. Twice. Yeah. Twice they spelled Luke wrong on yeah. the packaging. But I mean, but I mean, there like there's a level of how did they let how are they letting card backs come out that say expanded universe? That is hilarious to me because it's just like, but, but Chris, okay, this is something like Chris. Chris and I talked about this in the last episode. This is something I definitely want to ask the other three of you. Is that isn't it inevitable that we go back to what things were 20 years ago with the expanded universe relative to the movies? Like there's too much content now, whether it be comics, video games, TV, movies, whatever ancillary media there is. We're going to inevitably go back to a system of the cinematic media takes prominence and everything below that is at a B tier. Like that's inevitable, right? Like we're already there. Like we're already seeing that with certain things like obviously Yoda's lightsaber and the, in in the book of Boba Fett versus the comics where clearly it was destroyed. Yeah. It's going to happen in in sloppy cartoons or TV shows are going to have something happen where they have to go. Well, that doesn't really count. Okay. It's it's something different. It's legends. I mean, who knows, man? That's the thing. We're getting to that point, right? Zanger. Well, here's the thing though. If that if the Grand Inquisitor is dead, it means that they are completely ignoring well established canon. Or are they or are they gonna lean into the rhetoric that he says in that final moment of Rebels where, quote, there are worse things than death. A what? That that he was brought back from the dead? Well, that's the thing it's- though. Because think of because the thing about the continuity. You wouldn't mind if the events of Obi-Wan Kenobi, the TV series, and Rebels were close to each other, we are roughly eight years, give or take, away from that moment in Rebels. Like, we are almost a decade away. So someone else could become the new Grand Inquisitor that just happened to be part of the same species. I don't think it's the idea that it's that, because I think it's the notion of just... Lucasfilm, I think Deborah Chow, the writers, whatever of the show, just didn't really care about the fact that that the Grand Inquisitor, because he doesn't even technically die during Rebels, because there's a comic or something after Rebels where he's brought back to life again. Fascinating. Um, Hard to kill guy, man. There's a couple well, things he, earlier, though, Singer, you were that. talking about how famous is Vader and it's been bugging me thinking about it. So in the solo is, movie, is Vader in any of that promo material we see nope. for the Empire? Oh, nope. I, I have okay. some on that subject, though, when you you get the idea that in the the remaining eight years before A New Hope, he does become something of a public figure, like perhaps even appearing publicly in the Senate or something, because like when Leif walks up to him on the Tantive Four. She's like, Darth Vader, only you could be so bold. She knows who this guy is. She's seen him on TV and commercials and stuff. He definitely sort of stopped choking out civilians in the streets on camera because, you know, that video went viral. It affected his career for a few years. <laughs> he had to wait, lay low for a while. But like the I Empire think had to come out with a statement going, hold on now, everyone. Now, this, this guy definitely... here, we know you guys are upset. He, no, no, no. He killed more people than you think. That kid had got a knife. video of this. He was going to stab yeah. his stormtrooper you, friend. You may only choke officers on board military ships from now on. That kid was racist. I just we just want to let Disney. We want, <laughs> the Empire wants to let you know if this is a Species town of very intolerant people. But they don't even but, let their robots talk. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> it, controversial. 
Yeah, I don't like I don't know if I don't I don't know if there's any canon source that have sort of elaborated on him. I'm sure like I need to like Zach was saying, I need to catch up on the Vader comics because like what I know about them is like they seem real, pretty fun. real quick. I just want to really like it's one of those things where the Vader comics are kind of bonkers because like there, there's oh, it just yeah. doesn't need any highlighting. But Star Wars explained in a great like five minute long video on the history of Mustafar, the planet. And there's been some really fascinating, just like, I don't know, like at least like in a nutshell stories about how like Vader's just doing all these weird kind of like macabre Dr. Frankenstein-esque experiments to bring Padme back. And some of that ties in the Dr. Aphra, some of it doesn't, but it's kind of interesting because like it, it becomes this weird sort of like thesis of Star Wars in that bringing a loved one back to life which again ties into my favorite star wars film of all time the rise of skywalker in that it's become the weird disney oh god antithetical thesis of star wars and that bringing loved ones back to life and how ben solo was able to do that because it was a sheer act of selflessness and that's why he was able to be able to perform the impossible. Like, again, based on what most of the Vader comics are, whether it be that or the Vader Immortal VR experience, even the secrets of the Empire, like downtown Disney experience, most of what Vader is trying to do is something that's by Star Wars lore standards, 100% unnatural. And that's what he's pretty much doing that entire time period. He's like the moments where he gets involved with conflicts like this with rogue Jedi. He's only doing this out of a compulsion to keep Palpatine pacified and the empire pacified. Otherwise Vader for the most part is very much doing his own thing when he's not being ordered by Palpatine to hunt out surviving Jedi or like Lords of the Sith where they get shot down over Ryloth. Right, Zanger. Oh, what do, a great, <laughs> great thing! God, you, I want do that. you guys do you guys remember the the Legends version of Vader's castle? It's you know it's uh it was it was on a different planet. It was called uh, uh, Vijun or something like that, and it rained. There was it was raining all the time, and it rained acid. <laughs> it was like a rocky planet that rained acid all the time. And in in the game Jedi Academy, you get to. You get to go to Vader's castle about 14 years after the, the Battle of Yavin, after Vader's death. And there's uh, all kinds of fun little Easter eggs throughout there. Like he has like a like a, a workbench where he's like building droids. Like <laughs> there's like a parts of a C-3PO on a, on a workbench like inside Vader's castle. And like it, you get the idea that he was a bit of a, a bit of an introvert. I think but that's the thing that makes Vader so interesting, which again it begs the question, like, how much longer does this go until we get the inevitable Vader TV show or movie? Because right what now. he does in his spare time is is interesting. Like, he's really not doing anything that we've seen before in live action. And that's where, again, like, there is a moment in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series where we see Hayden Christensen in his, what would you want to describe it? oh god attack on on the jedi temple outfit and obi-wan's having some sort of weird hallucination i don't know like there there, there there's a story there not saying it's something that needs to be told it's definitely something that can be relegated to the books and the comics but you would think that clearly they have no problems with producing 
oh god lackluster images based on that mustafar sequence of him like seeing his little throne chair um i don't know like this they have to be brainstorming this at the very least the book of Are darth you- vader coming soon <laughs> Well, the, it's the novella of Vader, Ross. Come on, seeing that, seeing that one shot of him sort of standing on the cliff side there in in direct sunlight, like that's another thing that makes something look really TV when you have like hard sunlight. And it's like it's just so uncontrolled. It's like we were just outside that day, and that's what it looked like. So we just dealt with it. But um, but it that's like the like the idea of like a like a ghost of Vader is like what was one of the like Force Awakens uh art of ideas that sort of got abandoned and it's it's interesting to see that sort of dusted off although he's not like a it's not like an active uh like specter per se because vader's still alive it's just obi-wan tripping out but i at you know when they showed it far enough away the the illusion sort of carried over it looked like anakin i do wonder how far they're going to take that in the remaining three episodes it's so it's so crazy to me that within a week we're halfway through this thing but uh, I it I needed I it, I really well, need if you if you look at bit. like combined with what's out there spoiler wise combined with the trailers, it it's that's the thing about this is that based on what I'm seeing is that this is a ve- this is gonna be a very just a not a story or a novel it's gonna be a chapter because there's a lot more they're gonna do with this. Like I said, in in Legends, there was the last of the Jedi novel series where Obi Wan's the one that like organizes the the beginning of a Jedi resistance against Vader, and it's one of those things where just because it's it's Pride Month, I can't help but bring it up that the protagonist of this series was Fierce Olin, who was a confirmed gay Jedi, and just based on contemporary Lucasfilm. Like, it's a cool character. Like, I advise anybody who hasn't read up on the Last Jedi series and Fierce Olin, he's a really neat character. Like, I, he was one of them, I actually made a custom figure of him back in the day, but I, I can imagine Chris will love this. Taking old action figures and trying to, like, Sid from Toy Story them together with, like, hot glue and just, like, like uh, putting them in the boiling water, to, like, pop the head and then just put them back into, like, the head socket. I, I could see them doing something like that where they take Obi-Wan being reformed or just, uh, oh God, how Obi-Wan got his groove back and using that as a launching pad to bigger and better characters. I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like this whole Obi-Wan thing is just a springboard for, for new characters, which is exactly what it should be. Like Obi-Wan should be that kind of just, uh, what do you want to call it? Foundation for n- new stories new characters to be introduced and it's the time period they're going to want to use because they you know it's the most star wars you got darth vader around stormtroopers the rebels starting and they've already kind of played in that but you do realize that it was you know decades that was going on there's a lot they can do in there mm-hmm. and and even one more the... thing i have a feeling i'm going to move on from kenobi and i just got to say this before i forget can we talk about camille nunjani's character and that no. i feel like we haven't mentioned it at all you mean kingo from the eternals right you mean did not take his shirt off at all? He did all that work for nothing, people. So I, I just want to get opinions on it is quote unquote the this fake Jedi character and uh if you felt he was written poorly or not, because that was a very confusing little arc we went through with this guy where 
he's tricking people into, and then he's selling them out to the Empire, correct? He's pretending he's a Jedi. He's using magnets, right? I, I think he, he did actually no, help those people. he's actually helping. He, he did help those people. He just charged them for it. See, they, he likes credits. So they make him almost weaselly, but he actually was helping those people. He wasn't just selling them out to the Empire, which it almost sounded like that's what he was trying to do after. Yeah, no, I think, I think he, the thing is that he's opportunistic at first glance. He's opportunistic, but he again, it's it's the Han Solo thing, at least as of now, that he has a heart of gold. And so what does he do with it? Uh, so he he. He, he intercepts the thing about Obi-Wan, right? And he's like, he's like, whoa, maybe we can get to him first. Did you not think that he was going to screw Obi-Wan over? That that was the whole yep. point? Like, well, I'm going to get that money. Why should they get him? We can go get him. And yeah, I guess they're doing that whole Lando kind of roguish thing. Is he is he a good guy, bad guy? But I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just dumb. I was real confused by the end. I was like, I was like, wait, he actually did help him and he's done? What? what okay. I think that he was just surprised. I think he didn't expect to ever encounter a jedi again that was the vibe i got from it so it was like he you know it's it's and and also it's the idea that um like committing petty crime does not invalidate you as a moral human being for the rest of your existence sure and i want to say that that whole thing with him using magnets to whatever pretend he had the force he has been on a podcast called Star Wars Minute, where they, it's that show where they do Star Wars, all the films, one minute at a time. It's been on for years and years. It was, it's pretty popular. I'm sure you heard of it. But he was on that, he's been on that show a few times. And one of their big things early on when they've gotten, because of course they're spending 40 minutes speaking about a minute of Star Wars, they would always talk about how, what if Obi-Wan was just tricking Luke the entire time? And what, what, if, what if he just didn't have the force? <clears throat> he was just an old man tricking him. They always talk about using magnets that magnets were the force and that that's how obi-wan was able to do all this to see him in that scene using magnets i'm like now podcast appearances are affecting quote-unquote canonical star wars stories where we've got camille and johnny using magnets to pretend as the force yeah i mean we all know if that were a magnet that powerful it would have ripped his fingers off his hand but never mind that i don't know i'm just magnets how do they work it's Star Wars. Yeah. You, do you guys ever um do you guys ever think about the fact that um like next year um say, say for example that you know how like they in in canon they call Empire Day like when Order 66 happened like that's like the birth of the empire basically. You ever think about the fact that like in real time if that happened in 2005 when Revenge of the Sith came out like next year would be like in real time when the death star blew up, like from when that movie came out until next year is like, that's the whole existence of the empire in real time. Pretty much. Almost like it's been the entire time since I've been graduated from high school and it lives in, you know, I live in constant terror. The fact that I have a 20 year reunion. That, <laughs> doesn't, doesn't yeah. it make the entire existence of the empire seem rather small? Yeah. It's almost like it was terribly done for the prequels and they could have done a better job with it and made a more grandiose thing. But who am I to know? Also, in my um, endeavoring research to answer Zach's burning question on how well Vader was known. That's that, that that is what you asked me to do, right, Zach? Something like that. I did find out that the events of um, 
Vader and um, Palpatine going to Ryloth were five years after mm-hmm. the introduction of that. But Vader also participated in the invasion of Moncala or that whole situation where he worked with um, Inquisitors. So Inquisitors existed one year after the Empire was established and also worked with Tarkin during that time. Mm-hmm. Once again, cannot pin down how well known he was to everybody. But that's the thing, like Vader, like it was one of those things where like the best way to explain Vader's presence in galactic, oh God, just understanding is like, it's like asking somebody who Joe Biden's like chief of staff is like, that's the best way to describe it is like, yeah, this is somebody who is a public figure. You just really had to know who the specific individual was. Do want one more thing. So I think we may have misspoke earlier when we were talking about like if if um Palpatine's the president and the uh, what did we say Vader was? We just talked about like this. a chief of staff. Chief no, of staff. no, no, no. See, because then Masamito would be vice president technically. Vader. Oh, who is it that goes up? The press secretary. I'd like to think he's the press secretary. He goes out in front of like all the reporters and just chokes them all and then walks away. Nothing. Okay. See, then you're bringing no, but then you're bringing in the concept of reporters in the Star Wars, which we haven't seen yet. And then we're going to end up with like a daily planet or daily galaxy show where reporters of Star Wars. They do exist because unfortunately, due to me reading the terrible aftermath trilogy, they do talk about a reporter or something in there at some point well, they do have know, like espn could... that we've seen in episode two they're they're watching space oh, espn yeah. at that bar but but needless to say i think vader like i'm trying to figure out where in the legislative branch he falls because okay. i Perfect. feel it has to exist he, he does have an official canon title within the empire Are you ready for that oh oh sweet yay supreme commander of the imperial forces so what exactly That's a made up title yeah it, so he's basically like joint chiefs of staff yeah he's like a he's it's like a vladimir putin thing where they just got to give him a different title to shuffle him around every every few years during the, the the midterm senate elections or something but i if i'm remembering correctly and zach might be able to help me on this i think the only like person he's like in like who's in charge of him is um Tarkin. Like military leash. That becomes in, a weird thing in like the Tarkin novel where it's explained explicitly as to why Vader answers to him. There is um but it's one of those things if the Emperor puts him under somebody else, then he has to be subsistent to that. Because I swear there's a comic or a book series that takes place after new hope but before empire where he's technically under another commander during that time but tarkin holds well, he, a restraining bolt control right and he could just stop vader when he wants with a little remote no they they have a mutual respect enough for each other that he actually will listen to tarkin halfway because of his title but halfway because he just actually respects is him. he gonna show up in this grandma tarkin you think they'll try uh, it you know what I'd be down for it. I'd be down for an appearance by our blue friend, too. He's around. Not really. Thrawn's yeah, around. touch Tarkin. Not really. Wait, which one are you saying not really to, Zach? Thrawn. Thrawn's not really around at this time. Like, he's yeah, just he's... barely getting his... 
All right, deep into Zanger research. Go. All right, well, well, Zenger is fact checking in real time Thrawn's presence into uh, galactic politics. Chris, please tell us about your uh, celebration shenanigans. All right, well, I I don't have the typical celebration experience because, like, as as you guys know, I'm I'm pretty uh, I'm pretty deep into the vintage Star Wars collecting side of things, so that really shapes my celebration experience. So, like. So I had a good time because I had some direct interaction with the the three greatest Star Wars collectors in the world who are in, in my circle at Celebration, but not in my circle any other time of year. <laughs> and that you know, so like, so like, uh, like for example, I like uh, I don't know if if any of you guys are familiar with uh, a guy named Duncan Jenkins. He's written a bunch of books with Gus Lopez that about about all every aspect of prop collecting and vintage star wars collecting i sold duncan jenkins in fact i traded duncan jenkins some rare canadian french star wars items from 1983 in exchange for a press screening ticket for attack of the clones that was a that was a cool. beautiful trade wow. yeah so you Doesn't, know uh, duncan owned the death star uh that that's gus who owns that's stuff. gus who owns the death star but there's only three of these guys it's Sansweet gus and duncan probably have like the greatest collections in america like by far right and like i mean these guys they're 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 lovely to deal with i did some volunteer work on the collecting track which is a stage at celebration that has about 20 panels across the event that are very collecting focused so i was helping out over there and uh i and you know i had a, I had a really good time i uh like for me it's like did i do a bunch of the autograph and photo op stuff no but like for the for the people that interest me within the sort of collecting sphere that i'm in i had a great time i saw so many people that i talk to online on a regular basis that you just don't get that FaceTime with so that was really cool um did they have anything to say about michael havens (laughs) well russ russ keeps up on the vintage vintage star wars collecting drama so my yeah i don't know the icc thing has been weird ever since because like I, I did go to that convention earlier in May and uh, Michael Havens like has basically decided that the Georgia Star Wars Collectors Club is banned permanently from future ICC events because one guy like snuck in. And but the weird thing is that Havens like um has been hanging out with Ian McDermott a lot. Like he like at yes. celebration, all Havens did was hang out with Ian McDermott. I don't know how like I don't know what the arrangement is. That's it's fun that they're friends now. It's kind of like interesting. But I never saw him at celebration. I think he showed up for like 20 minutes one day. But um but I you know, I don't know. I had a good time. It was fun. Uh, a lot of the panels I went to were pretty great. I had the luxury of a exhibitor badge for my volunteer work, so I was able to check out the floor pretty early every day. And if you were following at KOV Podcast on Instagram, you could see some some photos and videos of the celebration show floor as it was opening up each day. So I had a, I had a great time. Yeah, so I've never. Has anyone else been to a celebration? Zach Zanger. Joe? I've yep. never been to a. I Me had either. a press badge once for celebration. Yeah, I wasn't able to yeah. act upon it. Yes, yeah, so I've been to celebration. The one in two. The one in Orlando for. But seventeen 20... or fifteen, I'm not sure. For me, I I can't remember off the top. I'm I'm too deep into one research, so give me a second to. <laughs> go into a different field of research uh right. as of right now in my level of research though 
Uh, 16 BBY to 2 BBY is where the Thrawn, the first Thrawn novel takes place during. So prime area for this, Zach. And so I do my own research. I don't, I, I, I'm calling this is on Wikipedia. Where else are you going to find better information? Nowhere. That's where anyways. <laughs> well, I will, I will say, you know, um, like I would be remiss if I didn't mention. Um, so I didn't buy much at, at celebration. Um, but a couple of cool things I got was, um, there's this, uh, this, this great, uh, vendor who always comes to celebration named Todd Chamberlain and his, his online store is called the toy chamber. You should check it out if you want some like, sort of oddball original trilogy era stuff but he he had a lot of print material from that that he picked up from uh gary kurtz uh before he passed away i believe like gary kurtz had a ton of promotional stuff still hanging around so like i got one of these um a sticker of the original macquarie logo for star wars where it says the star wars and it's like a triangle with like a painting of sort of Luke Skywalker inside it. So I got a, uh, like that was like a crew sort of pr- promotional sticker for the original movie that was made during production. And if you look at a bunch of behind the scenes photos, you can see it sort of plastered around on film equipment and stuff. So that's cool that he still has a few of those kicking around that he picked up from Gary Kurtz. But, uh, you know, um, Todd does all kinds of sort of vintage cast and crew stuff so like yeah his website's called the toy chamber and uh the toy chamber.com and like i he's he's a he's a cool guy i've talked to him a bunch and uh i i like just stuff you wouldn't imagine you could buy for a reasonably affordable price that's very interesting and sort of tied to the production of the original three movies and aside from that i didn't get a whole lot like i've sort of slow down a little bit with the sort of vintage carded figure side of things just because I'm doing the Canadian uh, packaging run and for the stuff I'm looking for, you know, it's pretty exotic these days. It doesn't come up a whole lot, but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I had a great time. I'm on the fence. I'm on the fence about London. That seems like a bit of a trek, but we'll see what happens. To answer the other research, uh, Celebration 5 in... 2000 in the summer of 2010 uh was one i attended which was them celebrating the 30th anniversary of empire strikes back yep that's when i attended yeah i will say that's that's pre-disney right that's is it might be in the last one in pre-disney era uh, that also had them do the whole um, with with Disney, um, Disney Hollywood Studios to take part in the last tour of Endor event, which I did not do. But that right. was what they were. Is that when they had the there. dance and Boba Fett's and everything? That that was actually that was the the closing of the original version of Star Tours before they redesigned mm-hmm. it. Now, if I had attended the sixth one, I would have been able to. Um, See the announcement for Star Wars detours. Hmm. Truly, a day missed opportunity. The, the <laughs> biggest moment in the history of detours. The big announcement, and then what? Well, so we did get a, a couple of episodes did slip out. I did. I did I, I do remember at this celebration was where they showed Delta Delta Squad for their. Oh, that one, yes. Yeah, they were shown. I remember everyone cheered about that for. Um, Clone Wars and everything. Everyone got real excited for that. And then I got real depressed because they're like, 
yeah, the Terror Terror Darth one are no longer canon, and yeah. everyone booed, and there was a guy dressed up as Starkiller because that's this is also when they had uh, Force Awakens two. Unleashed. Force Unleashed too. <laughs> I love Force Awakens too. Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, but uh, it's the working yeah. title of last year. Yeah. yeah, one uh, one other one other funny thing I forgot I picked up at Celebration that I forgot to mention was um, I went over to uh, uh, Tom Spina's booth, the Regal Robot booth, and I got these. I got a pair of these Jabba's Palace gargoyle towel holders oh, without without pre-clarifying if i would be allowed to put them up in any any visible place and at home but uh you know they'll be there they'll be attached to the entrance of my uh office if nowhere else but uh you know it's just like it's like i don't know he that guy's doing some interesting stuff like the home decor side of things like that's a pretty faithful representation and the ring is metal so it sounds like very authentic when you like interact with it but uh you know I, like I don't know. Like I like I had a sort of closed off experience, but like just because of I was doing a little bit of volunteer work, but you know, I would absolutely like recommend it to anybody who's never gone. I know a couple, a couple listeners who sort of interact with us on Instagram were there, but I I didn't get to, to meet them because I was sort of on one specific stage for most of the event. But I mean, like having a sort of, refined sort of closed off experience myself even like i had a great time like a lot of the 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 fun stuff really happens outside of the convention itself like like i went to the rebel force radio party if you're in the facebook group you'll see a video i posted of that if you want to see a guy using a, a muppet of lando doing a very good billy d impersonation uh, giving a blessing for the opening of celebration you want to see some of the most bonker nonsense you've like ever imagined like check out that clip in the facebook group for knights of vader but um you that, know that a looked lot... like a lot of fun i did watch yeah. that video and yeah watching puppet lando give that i mean yeah in his his lando impression is so spot on great and and i mean and right after that they debuted puppet zero the hut which i might have to what? dig up yeah, I might have to dig up a clip of that because like Puppet Zero the Hut came out right after Puppet Lando. So like you know like, those guys, yeah, those guys like those guys know what they're doing. But uh, my 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 point is just that like a lot of the sort of uh like like side events are are the reason why Celebration is like a really special thing to check out. The show floor is only so interesting. You know, I did buy um here's the, room here's sales. The one... is that, that's a big thing, right? Yeah, room, room sales is sales. great. Here's the one vintage thing I bought off the show floor just because like it became a meme and a, a, a Facebook chat I was working on. This is a, a Princess Nisa, the Ewok money bank. And um, basically on the Vintage Rebellion podcast, it became sort of a joke to find who could find the most hilarious Princess Nisa item at Celebration. And I will, it's yet to be determined who succeeded in that venture, but it was quite affordable, I assure you. But, uh, you know, that's the Ewok, the most famous Ewok that is not in Return of the Jedi, pretty much. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, if, if you guys haven't gone, I, I would absolutely recommend it to anybody who's listening out there. I, like, I'm, I would say I'm, like, I had such a good time that I'm, like, 70% going to check out the one in London. Interesting. Yeah, and you got you got connections out there. I know the those uh, the guys that do that podcast are all all British dudes, right? Yeah. Uh, so like, I'm sure we could uh, get down to some some content creation over there. I will crazy say that, about like, beer what... and alcohol and stuff too. So that that sounds like a wild time. 
I will say that while this was happening, Chris was like texting and messaging me. And Chris, Chris was almost like the equivalent of a Star Wars, like, oh God, death stick dealer for me. Cause he kept trying to tempt me. And I can see Chris smiling already for the IMAX Attack of the Clones movie poster. Like Chris is like, I can I get these one. for you for like $25 each. And I'm like, at first I was like my knee jerk reaction, like any sort of Star Wars collectible is swipe the credit card first, ask questions later. And then the Zenger part of my brain started to like twang a little bit. And I'm like, I remember seeing this poster for the first time in like 2003 and like, oh God, like it was like a tome. It was like an encyclopedia collectible textbook. And I remember like, and I just kept looking at it and I'm just like, I like as, as a movie poster aficionado, I have never had any affinity for this poster within my life. Not to say that I didn't appreciate Chris immediately thinking of me, but like, I, after like a day I went by, I'm like, Chris, if you haven't purchased this for me, I, I, I would prefer if you didn't. And then Chris is like, well, what are you, what are you looking for? And if it ever tells any listeners, if you had to, didn't already figure out what my preferences are when it comes to star Wars, it was, I'm looking for the attack of the clones teaser poster when it's just Anakin and Padme, like in a, like what a black background. Then my follow-up question was Chris, if you can find the Galaxy's Edge Reforged Skywalker lightsaber, I will be very appreciative. Which yeah. I have to admit, Chris, thank you for not like delving too deep into that because that seems to be something you can get off eBay at MSRP. It doesn't yeah. seem to be a hard to find collectible. It seems to be like at the very least, people just trying to offload it now two years later. Right. Um, well, but no, I like, like Celebration is one of those things where not. Any sort of fan convention makes me very, very leery, but I think Chris has figured it out in that everything that happens after hours is where the most interesting stuff happens. Yeah, and I mean, I think the 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 fun, the funnest time I had was like when you t- messaged me, you're like, you know what, I'm probably good on that amazing gigantic Yoda in Hollywood poster. It's like, <laughs> I mean, don't get it twisted. Like, I got one. Do I know where I'm going to put it? No. Will it may will I maybe subject my coworkers to it at work? Yes. Um I like I, I I went I was flipping through some prequel posters at another booth looking for that the Attack of the Clones teaser poster you mentioned. And there was this girl there who was like, What are you looking for? And she was like, Oh, yeah, that's that's a great one. I, I got that like a couple months ago. And I'm like, A, that's nuts. B, they don't have it here. And C, she was eyeing up imax yoda and i'm like you know what a different booth has it for half the price just over there it was this great mutual shared fan experience did i find that teaser poster no but i was equally surprised to find someone who cared that it even existed so but this is the thing though i wanted to ask you because during celebration i saw at least two three different professional fan accounts i follow purchase the IMAX Attack of the Clones poster. And that's what made me very leery to wonder if it was authentic or not. Well, well, okay. Well, here's what it is. Like one booth just had a bunch of them. And um, I mean, you know, if if I were to produce an inauthentic poster, first of all, um, I mean, like, I think I you chose 
poorly by picking the Attack of the Clones IMAX poster for your massive reproduction poster uh, choice. You should have gone with just the regular, like maybe Revenge of the Jedi or like the New Hope poster. But it was double-sided, so it was printed in the reverse on the back. And I believe the notion there is when you backlight it, the color will stay truer. Well, this is this is the thing, though, because like when Chris originally sent this to me, like my my after I said, just do it and I'll figure out the money part later. Like th- when it comes to mo- again, like as a movie poster collector for like over a decade now, movie poster collecting gets very weird before like 2000 because Prior to that, like movie po- there's a very specific year which, depending on who you talk to, movie posters went from being folded to being rolled. And so it's always hard to discern what's authentic because it changed in the late 90s, early 2000s. And that specific date depends on what movie studio it came from. And so, like, I did do my research because apparently, like, the Anakin Phantom Menace poster of like, you see like little Annie on Tatooine and it's the shadow of Vader. The silhouette is when things started to change. And so like, even like there's a big debate with the infamous Spider-Man twin towers poster, where you can see the reflection of the, the, the world trade centers in his lenses. That's another point where it depends on the studio. So when Chris, when I was like, you just give people behind a curtain in order to our personal social lives. It, it's weird because like the attack of the clones, Yoda poster goes for about like $50 on eBay, give or take. And so when Chris was like, Oh yeah, I can get this for you for like X amount of money. I was just like, I didn't know what to make of that because especially the idea of it being the 20th anniversary of Attack of the Clones and somebody at that specific convention having a multitude of those. And I'm like I said, Chris, I'm not making this up. There was at least three or four different professional fan personalities that were all posting pictures of like, oh, look at the steal I got. I got this poster for X amount of dollars. It just made me very leery. Like, not that I'm not doubting yeah, no. what you found hey. was authentic. It's just we all know how opportunistic Star Wars fans can be at times. I I get it. Um, I get it. But uh, I think what what you realize when you're into like the like collecting stuff that's older than 20 years game long enough, you realize that like there's not like the the investment required for that project would not justify the returns, like especially the printing it on both sides, one in reverse. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's but this is the yeah. weird thing about movie posters is that like if you go look up there was a there was a fantastic website a few years ago that explained how to look for specific movie posters of certain eras and just of the particular film itself and that website just disappeared within the last few months that like i like it was like my bible for over a decade and like one of the again like one of the hardest to find star wars movie posters is beyond of course revenge of the jedi is the coming soon to your galaxy poster and the obvious telltale way to figure out if you have an original is it it's folded because back in the 70s you folded posters you never rolled them that wasn't something that was done to the last 20 years or so and that's why i think i also messaged you that coming to soon to your galaxy because that's something that doesn't even show up on ebay anymore yeah that's I something mean, that like you have to have like authenticated yeah, and I think that, that, well, that's a weird one. It's just like, it's not even a traditional Star Wars font. And I think it has some kind of, it's printed on some kind of like Mylar where it's actually like foiled the lettering on that. So, you know, that's a pretty famous one. But um, I mean, that's, 
you know, that's top tier, like vintage Star Wars poster collecting. Like every, anybody who had that at the convention would very well know what it was. I, yeah, I be swear like the Braille that, for you, right, Zach? Of all yeah. Star Wars posters, huh? Well, it's, but that's the weird thing about movie, co- like movie poster collecting. Cause like, that's again, like any sort of Star Wars collector, you have to like learn how to pick and choose your battles. And that's where the IMAX Attack of the Clones poster came in, where it was just kind of like, it's it's not really a highly sought after poster in, in the fandom. There really is, like when it comes to Star Wars collecting outside of Revenge of the Jedi, there really isn't a sought after poster as in like something that everybody kind of clings to. And that's where why I did more and more research on this from like blogs of like 10, 20 years ago. Nobody really is looking for this. Even like I said, even on eBay, Attack of the Clones teaser posters are hard to come by, like authentic ones. And so like that's where like the more and more I did research on this, I became very just not disinterested. It was just kind of the idea that like when there isn't a lot of fan hype around something – it makes me wonder what's going on with it. Like we all know star Wars fans are rabid for any type of collectible. So when there isn't like a Reddit sub, like a, I'm sorry, a subreddit about something, it just makes me wonder what are people thinking about it currently? Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I don't think it's a stretch to say there's very little market in the idea of like IMAX attack of the clones. I think like I said it on here before, I think we talked about it on Knights of Vader before, but like Zach expressed some amount of deep sea, deep seated interest in what was the deal with the IMAX cut of attack of the clones. And I was just like, really you want a four by three version of the movie with like 20 minutes cut out. Like I couldn't imagine anything less interesting. Uh, it's, it's just it, the poster is the most interesting thing about it but, but <laughs> say, wait wait which 20 minutes is missing this sounds great like I, 20 minutes of my life i get back because i, but I that's, love but it that's the thing that made this so like, okay okay as somebody who's not just a movie poster aficionado but loves lost media this was like the perfect storm. So like when Chris is texting me at work about this, I was trying to do a deep dive and it's just figuring all this out where it's like, like it, it's promotional material for a version of the film that hasn't been seen in two decades. And I'm trying to gauge the market on this. And it's this really weird, perfect storm of just like a star Wars collector's moment. And I really like as a star Wars fan for nearly 25 years, I didn't i couldn't make heads or tails of it 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 was very unusual for me well you know it was fun um like i i i just knew that uh you would find it at least mildly interesting (laughs) because i I mean i I appreciate it no i guess i i made it abundantly clear to chris if it wasn't clear at the time i am certainly gonna make it clear now that like every single time he would send me something i was so appreciative that a he thought of me and b it was one of those things where he was willing to at least look into it for me. So if it wasn't clear then Chris, thank you. Not just for your Knights of Vader coverage, but for at least thinking of me on a personal level. Oh, and now I'm going to say thank you. Cause now I want the stupid poster, but. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you, Russ, it was a steal. Like the idea of putting that up somewhere was worth the price of admission alone. But anyways, we got a, uh, we, I don't know. We got, we got Zinger back. I didn't realize Zinger was a, a veteran of like some OG Star Wars celebrations, like pre Disney. Oh. That's pretty cool. I didn't go to any of those. Okay, I was like, wait, what? Oh, also, um, further research. It was there was one after that before the Disney acquisition. 
because the first one that was after Dis um, first event under Disney was Celebration Europe two in two thousand thirteen. So, <clears throat> though by compare, I mean I thought that, that place was packed, and it had a uh, thirty plus thousand. Um, let's see here the celebration that just happened. Uh, they don't have numbers for, it, but um. The last one held in Chicago. Sorry, the la the last one held in Orlando had over seventy thousand, and I thought the one that was thirty thousand was packed. So I vastly underestimate how many people you can jam into that convention. A million center. more, well on the way. <laughs> All right. Well, <clears throat> anyways, you know, like I like I I had an amazing time. Couldn't recommend it enough. As Santa Claus, I am about this stuff, and um, part of part of my uh, volunteer work with the collecting track is you'll be able to watch something like 20 panels all focused around various aspects of star Wars collecting, which you will be able to find uh, actually next week as we record this uh, on a YouTube channel, that's just called the collecting track. And it, you know, it blows me away to this day. There's a bunch of stages at celebration that have no video coverage whatsoever. So that's, yeah. uh, that's why we do what we, we do for, for that particular stage. Also, it is my dream that at some point, Knights of Vader will have a panel at at a Star Wars celebration where where Zach will have to be restrained after the floor is open to questions. I look forward to the day that I can face I can face all my accusers. That look that will be a day long long remembered. All we'll some one great and swag. Half of them. We'll make some great KOV swag for it. It'll definitely be episode two themed, no matter what. So <laughs> perfect. Well, okay. right, so it'll be episode nine related. We all know that. Oh yeah. <laughs> Be Book of Boba Fett. I'm gonna make an animatronic Bantha. Perfect. <laughs> you can ride it on it. That's now I'm gonna get a Rancor where I'm gonna ride on. Oh man. Well, this I'm making a Camille Nanjani magnet. How about that? <laughs> there you go. Truly the easiest cosplay if ever was one. All right. So concludes this episode of Knights of Vader, a Star Wars podcast. Check out the Facebook group. Type in Knights of Vader in the Facebook, and you will find us there waiting for you. If you listen to us on Spotify, if you'd please give us a five out of five star rating, we would appreciate it. Oh, oh, so much. Because if you try borrowing your co coworker cell phones and just entering it, it won't let you unless you've listened to an actual episode. <laughs> Completely unrelated to uh, anything else. If you like what you hear, again, listen to us on iTunes where you can subscribe, rate us. Just not as important as Spotify because Spotify is everything right now. Thank you to An Inspiriority Complex for providing our theme song. Check out the show notes to hear more from them. And if you're more interested in listening to not just me, but Chris, check out the Cinemodies podcast as the Attack of the Clones discussion will be going live on Cinemodies. I would imagine by the time we're editing this, it will be live next six to 12 hours. But gross. yes, exactly. Gross. And if you listen, that's not just listening to Rob's perspective on attack of the clones. Um, that's, that's just the overall discussion period. Right, Chris? Well, Zenger, you'll be happy to note that, uh, Rob was completely disgusted with the film and, uh, he probably embodied a lot of your perspectives on it. Perfect. I was about to say you could you could have just had me on the record. I just were recording me yelling profanity and just play that periodically, and it probably would have been the same as having that. Is Zenger? We are not making this up. That is literally how the episode begins. Like the first two minutes of it is Rob just cursing to the Perfect. point where 
the idea was that we were going to insert this into the Knights of Vader episodes, just like something like the, the plug in. And there was <laughs> so much gratuitous cursing about the film. I did not have the time to edit it, th- edit it thoroughly. So it will remain a Cinemati's exclusive. I so, love, love the fact that somehow while Chris is your spiritual envoy into this, Rob is at times my spiritual envoy on things as well. So it is, it is great. Rob certainly did you justice, right? Chris, when it comes to uh, extreme disdain toward the second prequel film. Yes. He made it very uncomfortable and I really tried, but he he was himself. Zanger, Zanger, we just got to get like an isolated clip of you doing the critic, John Lovitz just going, it stinks. And they could just keep (laughs) playing that the whole time during it. It stinks. It stinks. It stinks. By the way, thanks for the critic reference. I think that's the third time it's probably been referenced on this show alone. Indeed. Alrighty, Porteous with the Mortius. When you are not on this podcast, when you are not at Star Wars Celebration, where, where can people find you? Go ahead and follow me at the Chris Porteous on Instagram. Come on. Do it. And also follow uh, at KOV podcast on Instagram where you can check out some show floor before the show opened videos from Celebration if you want to pick up some of those after the fact. And Zenger, where are we up to on the uh, Zeng This podcast? Where, where, where are we doing right now? Uh, we just record something about discussing our favorite gods and pop culture, but that's not important. You you all know where to find Zygnus. I do want to take my moment on a soapbox to make sure to point out that everyone should check out on Netflix, not sponsored on Zygnus or in this show by Netflix, but you should check out The G Word with Adam Conover and especially episode one, which is written by Brian Frangi. Yeah! Yeah! Giving him some credit. Check it out. <clears throat> Yeah, I know. Hey, go to me. Let me plug something. So, yeah, I'm a, I do Unbelievers podcast, but I, uh, I've i got something new that it's been out for a couple of months now. Go check out something called Zona del Silencio. It's a weird project that I'm getting. It's the it's the most silent podcast you'll ever hear. But yes, it, these, there are recordings <laughs> of the research that I've been doing. In the Zona del Silencio. So go check that out. Nice. I can attest that if you enjoy Russ saying hilarious things, there is somewhat more of it over there. So you should probably do it. <laughs> Alrighty, and I think we also have new to the podcasting family Joe Yazo, who has his own side gig now. Whoa! I do, I do. Yeah, uh, it's called The Wheel of Convo with Corey and Joe. Um, just started episode two. Paradoxes is out. So like and share Facebook Wheel of Convo. Check it out. Smash that like button. One, two, Smash it. Alrighty, folks. Good night, but not goodbye. And as always, may the force be with you. My